pray with me as we move into God's word this morning. Father, we look to you. We, we have sung spirit about you moving among us, how you never stop working. You never stop working. And, and Father, I, I ask in these moments uh, that each of us would be able to sense your spirit working and speaking and encouraging and challenging through your word. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, and I I hope that you do, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 20. That's Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 20. And in this letter, Paul is writing to the followers of Jesus in the churches in Ephesus. And he has this word of instruction and encouragement to them. Listen to this gift of God's word that we have this morning. Starts in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases God. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you were once darkness. That is, you and I at one point lived in a state of darkness. By state of darkness, Paul is talking about a state of sin. So what was true for those first century Christians um, is true for us today. We were once in a state of darkness. We were spiritually dead in utter darkness until God brought us from darkness to light. That's why Paul refers to, that's what he's referring to when when he says, but you are now light in the Lord. You are now in a state of light. So what I want to do in most of this message this morning is really paint a picture of a a state of darkness and what it is to be in a state of darkness and to paint a picture of a state of light and what it is to be in a state of light. So when Paul is talking about this state of darkness and state of light, he's, he's talking about a spiritual reality. So that is usually not a physical reality or a visible reality, but it is reality. It is real, this spiritual ra- reality that ta- Paul is talking about. And he uses these familiar terms of darkness and light to illustrate this spiritual reality. So if you picture for me, with me for a moment, this in a state of darkness, 
you can't see where you are or what you're doing. That is, there's something about where you are and what you're doing that you don't see. There's a significant reality about these circumstances to which you are blind. So I think about um, my basement. And if I go down in my basement, if I turn all the lights off in my basement, it is completely dark. There's no windows down there. It's completely dark, and I can't see my hand in front of me. Now, the reality is, what, what is really in my basement that I can't see when it's dark is there are toys everywhere. There's this Lincoln Log creation that I absolutely cannot bump into and, and mess with. There's a large mega block tower. There's um, some crafts, maybe scissors, maybe needles on the floor. Um, I, I can't see. That's a reality to which I am blind when, when the lights are off. I, I can't see where I am right next to the Lincoln Log Tower that I can't knock down. I, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing about to step on the needle that is left on the floor. Um, so there's this, this reality to which I can't see because of the darkness. So let's further illustrate this with, with some of Paul's words. In, in Ephesians 6.12, um, he talks about the, the battle that we are in is a battle against the forces of evil. In, in 1 Peter 5.8, then Peter writes about this similar battle. He, he tells us to be self-controlled and alert um, because your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I want you to picture this, this state of darkness that you are in. It's completely dark. You can't see where you are. You can't see the roaring lion in front of you looking to devour you. All right? In this state of darkness, you don't know what you're doing. You don't realize that, that the, 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 the path you're about to follow is the very fat path that the forces of evil are beckoning you along that path. You don't see that in a state of darkness. You, you think that you're in this, this safe place. You think that it's just fine because you don't see the roaring lion in front of you. You think that you're just following after your longings and your desires, and you don't see that you're actually following the direction that the forces of evil are leading you in. Now, now think about the forces of evil. I mean, do you know what the forces of evil are? are about. All of the most heinous things um, that, that have happened in this world are a result of following after the forces of evil. You know, in this state of darkness, those, those very forces of evil, which, which are responsible for the most despicable things that have ever gone on, those very forces of evil are beckoning you on, um, and, and you don't see it in this state of darkness. We think we're in a fine place. We think we're doing safe things, but we don't see the spiritual reality that is going on. We don't see it. And to be honest, a lot of times others are even telling us uh, what is going on, and, and we don't believe them. This is the state of darkness from which followers of Jesus have been rescued, brought out of, and brought into this state of light, not by our own efforts, but by the grace of God through faith in Christ. We have been brought from darkness 
to light. So what I want you to feel in this moment is I want you to feel the helplessness and the destruction of, of the state of darkness. And I want you to feel the relief and the gratitude of being plucked out of this state of darkness and placed into a state of light. You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So what is it to be light in the Lord? To be in a state of light is to know where you are and what you're doing. That is, we see in a, in a far more full way, we see the full truth of where we are and what we are doing. We see the significant reality about our circumstances to which we were previously blind in our state of darkness. God has shed light on what is really going on. So, you know, you think about my dark basement. Um, as soon as I turn the lights on in my basement, I see everything that's actually going on, every place that I was actually going to, to move towards and knock this down or step on this. I, I see what I did not previously see when light is shed. You know, I think of this, uh, there's this great illustration, um, oh, I won't go there yet, um, to, to think about this, this state of light. And I think um, it is through God's word that, that he sheds light to us um, through his word, illuminated by his spirit. He sheds light to us through his people who are indwelled with his spirit. So that light that gets shed through God's word and God's people is the light of life. It is Jesus. Written about in John 1 verses 4 and 5, we, we read this, in him, that is in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light that overcomes our state of darkness. He brings the revealed truth that has been promised, he, he, that has been um, concealed. He brings salvation that has been promised. He sheds light into what really is. He exposes what really is going on in our world, the brokenness and the destruction, but also his glory and his salvation. Jesus sheds light on all of that. So with this light, Jesus, he exposes what's going on in the darkness and he overcomes the darkness with his light. So there's this great illustration in the Old Testament in 2 Kings verse uh, 6, uh, or chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. This illustration of God shedding light on what is really going on in the situation. And it's this uh, sweet story where um, Elisha, his servant, comes to him in a panic in the morning, and he looks at the hills around him, and he points to Elisha that the, the enemy army is surrounding the city, and they're, they're filled the hills around them. And, and Elisha responds to his servant, and he says, those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. 
And that doesn't make any sense to the servant who sees the hills filled with the enemy army. And Elisha prays that the Lord would open his eyes, shed light on the spiritual reality that's really going on. And all of a sudden, the servant can see, he, has, he sees what's really going on. And he looks out and all over the hills are this fiery army of angels in chariots that far outnumber the enemy forces. What an awesome example of this, this little glimpse of what it would be to see the spiritual reality that is really going on in a given moment. You know, I think about, you know, just do this thought experiment with me for a moment. If, if that was true, if we had that kind of light shed on us in our common decisions, our common temptations, I mean, picture as I'm tempted to do that thing or say that thing or, or go to that place or entertain that thought or, or whatever you're tempted to do, as I am tempted to do that, and I, I have the light of what is real shining on me and I can see the spiritual reality going on, in that moment of temptation, I can look down the, the poor and destructive decision and I can see the forces of evil gathered around and beckoning me in that direction. I can look past that and I see this, this salivating, roaring lion waiting to destroy me. And in that same moment, I can look down the path of, of the, making the better choice and, and I can see angels pointing to the glory of God, pointing me in, in his grace and goodness. And I see the difference between those two choices that I have in a given moment. And when I have those, when I see that difference, um, I think, how could I ever give in to temptation? How could I ever be so blind as, as to follow after the darkness. Living in the light is, is kind of like that. You see this spiritual reality that is present amidst our common decisions. You don't physically see it. That'd be awesome, and maybe God does that in a moment, but we don't normally physically see the spiritual reality going on, but, but we can keenly sense it and perceive it because we have been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. So we can sense and perceive those things because we've received the light. So here's the reality check. If that's the case then, then why do I ever walk into the darkness? Why do I ever follow that way and give in to temptation? And this is the sad reality that, that we as followers of Jesus, we've been rescued from the darkness and brought into light, but, but we find ourselves at times choosing to walk back into the darkness. Which in this moment, as we're in the presence of this kind of worship gathering, in this moment it sounds um, preposterous that we would walk back into the darkness. But we know that it's true for each of us. You know, the idea of me walking into my basement and needing to get something done and turning off the lights to get something, it's, it's preposterous. But we know that this is what we struggle with. You and I, as soon as we step back out into the regular rhythm of our week, we are going to step into the darkness. We're going to be fooled into believing that the darkness is actually attractive and, and will want it. And that sounds horrible to say in this moment, but, 
but we know it's true of our experience. We know to some sad extent we have an addiction of sorts to this darkness, and that addiction is called sin nature. This sin nature has ravaged our world. I mean, you think about the, the wars and the persecution and the mistreatment that is going on globally. You think about, um, you know, I hear every week about murders in Chicago that's getting closer. I, I go to this um, CASA volunteer training yesterday, and I, I, I spend hours hearing about the child neglect and abuse going on in our West Lafayette, Lafayette community. Sin has ravaged our world. The sin nature that draws us back into darkness is the very same sin nature that is ravaging our world. We cannot be so deceived as to think that we are outside the problem. We can't think that, you know, if only those, those Democrats would, would get it right, if only those Republicans, or, or if only if those, you know, rich privileged people, or if those minorities, or if those, those others, if only the others would get it straight, then, then man, our, our world would be fixed. You and I have an addiction of sorts to this darkness, to this sin nature. We need to own that. This is why Paul writes in the very next line of the passage we look at, he, he writes, um, knowing about the Jesus followers who are prone to walking back into the darkness. And he says, live as children of light. Stop walking back into the darkness. To live as a, children, as a child of light is to walk in the way of loving God and loving God others. It's the life of, of following Jesus. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's simple. It's not easy, but it is clear that, that following Jesus is about, well, learning about who Jesus is and then following him. I can read the gospel accounts and I can see and, and hear and experience who Jesus is. Being a follower of Jesus is about following him. Our American culture can hypnotize me into believing that following Jesus is really just about um, avoiding a few major sins and then being basically nice to people. And then I get the material blessings and the good things that I'm looking for. And that's not following Jesus. That's, that's following me and, and my pursuit of what might satisfy me. To follow Jesus is to give my life away and to commit to living for him, to shine the light that he has put in me. That is what it is to live as children of light. The way for me to continue to be more and more exposed to the light is, is by spending time in his word that is illuminated by his spirit and spending time with his people that are indwelled by his spirit. So that doesn't mean that, that I'm magically a great Christian if I would just read the Bible and hang out with, with Christians. But, but what it means is as I'm reading his word, I'm actually having conversation with the living God. And as I have real conversation with the living God, he is drawing me deeper and deeper into a love relationship with him. 
when I'm interacting with Christians, it's, it's me having significant conversation with followers of Jesus so that I see the Spirit in them. I'm encouraged and challenged by the Spirit in them, and they are encouraged and challenged by the Spirit in me. That is what it is to, to live as children of light, to be continually exposed more and more to this light as I expose myself to, his, to Jesus in his word and Jesus in his people. The, Paul goes on to write in, in verses 11 through 13, he, he says something like this. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So that is to to not mess around with temptation. Now, temptation isn't a sin, but, but for us to, to kind of um, play around, to dabble in temptation is, is foolish. To linger around temptation is foolish. We need to walk away from it, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So this is where expose the, the fruitless deeds of darkness. This does not mean, um, boom, expose. That, I mean, that's annoying, right, Michelle? This is not how I expose the fruitless deeds of darkness, by walking around with my light and shining it in others' face. This is how I expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. It starts with what's going on in me. It starts with me being honest with myself and with others about who I am and what I struggle with. And it's, it's not in an appropriate way where, where I'm sharing inappropriately with too many people, but I'm, I'm coming alongside some people and sharing some. And I'm, I'm, This is how you, you begin to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness, is you're honest with yourself about who you are and you're honest with other followers of Christ and non-Christians about who you are. So, so first it's, it's shining this on me, and then the other, the other thing that happens when I'm exposing the fruitless um, deeds of darkness, I, um, if I could have Annie step up just for a moment, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but um, this is the other part of, of exposing it. It's, it's coming alongside with other followers of Jesus. Annie's a follower of Jesus. She has a beautiful relationship with the Lord, and as, as we interact with one another, it's it's shining the light such that she sees what's going on in my spirit and I see what's going on in her spirit and we are mutually encouraged by one another. Thanks, Annie. Um, it's, it's also this shining, this, this is exposing the fruitless deeds of darkness in a way that's encouraging and equipping other believers. This is also what goes on with non-Christians. It's not, boom, I, I see the fruitless deeds of darkness. I see it, I'm shining my light on you. No, it's getting, Mike, can you stand up? Mike also has a beautiful relationship with the Lord, but I'm going to pretend he's fruitless deeds of darkness right now. So, thanks, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Um, so it's me getting close enough to a non-Christian that, that they're exposed to the light in me. It's not me going like this, but it's me close enough to him that he sees the light in me. And the light shed on me is actually shedding some in his darkness as well. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. The light exposes the darkness. When we are called to expose the darkness, we are called to get close enough to others so that they can see our light and that our light can actually impact their life. Now, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I hear all of these... Um, all of this stuff in the media right now about the um, dramatic conversion of Kanye West. 
and you can read about this, and what you see all over media right now is a bunch of people pointing fingers, a bunch of people shining maybe a light or something from a distance. And, and in the midst of that, I hope and pray that, that someone is coming alongside Kanye West, coming right alongside him close enough that he sees their light and, and they are mutually encouraged by the light going on in one another. I hope that we as a, as a culture, as a church family, we can do less of this and more of this, more of coming alongside, getting close enough to others that they, that's how they have light shed on them. When we get close enough, when we are sharing our light with others, we are not responsible for what they do with that light, the light that is shed into their darkness. They may respond with gentleness and humility, and they may turn their life around, um, or they may respond defensively. They may be angered by the brokenness that is exposed in them by our light. They may even lash out and, and accuse us and our light of being judgmental. And in doing so, they are rejecting the light and, and walking further into the darkness. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 is this familiar passage where, where Jesus tells his, his followers, you are the light of the world. Don't hide that light. You need to shine that light brightly for others. That light is not for you and you alone, but that light is meant to be shared and shown. Doug Pollock has uh, so aptly challenged us to be aware of those around us, those in darkness. And he challenges us to, to notice them and then care about them enough to get close to them and seek to understand them and share with and show them the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Share that light. Paul ends this section of his letter in verses 18 and 19, um, articulating once again this urging followers of Jesus to live as children of light. He tells them to, to be filled up with the Spirit, to, to not be filled with wine, drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but to be filled with the Spirit. He, he, he wants us to be so filled with the Spirit that we are beaming with light so that those Christians that we come into contact with, that our light is spilling onto their life, that, that the non-Christians that we come into contact with, that our light is, is shedding light on their life. If you believe in the gospel message, you believe that we have a life-saving message to share. We have a light to shed in the darkness. And God, through Paul, is encouraging us to shed that light, show that light, share that light with others. We have been rescued from darkness and plopped into this state of light, and we are called to share that with those in darkness, that we would notice them, that we would um, care about them enough to get close to them, that we would seek to understand them, and that then that we would show them and share with them the light that we've been given. So go and be the light of the world. 